The Last Word with Matt Cooper. It's time for the week trending. We're joined today by Sarah McGuinness, Deputy News Editor with the Business Post, and Aunt Tomas McDermott, Managing Director of the Communications Clinic. And we spent a lot of time yesterday with Frank Graney giving us details of the conviction of Joseph Pushka for the murder of Ashling Murphy, a crime which horrified everybody when it took place in January of last year. And the trial, so distressing to listen to the details of what Pushka did and denied, even though the evidence was utterly overwhelming. Sarah, I want to start with you because you're about the same age as Ashling was when she died. And it has struck me, you know, how do young women f- feel about their safety as they go about everyday life, doing things like going for a run like Ashling was doing, or if they're out socialising or any part of their daily life, how much fear do they feel about badly behaved men, some who are violent and who might even kill them? Yeah, like it's rampant. And as you said, in January of 2022, this case stopped people in their tracks. And yesterday, people were stopped in their tracks again when this verdict came through. Like I remember being in the Business Post newsroom and the RT alert went off and everyone just looked down and everyone kind of looked at each other and everyone knew what had happened and how much relief it would bring to the family, but also a reminder of how horrifying it is. And I generally am against contextualising events of violence against women or of femicide in the sense of putting it in the perspective of, well, it could be your sister or it could be your mother. But this one is really hard to ignore because I am 23. I am the age that Ashling was when she was murdered. And I think it would be a lie to say that this case has changed anything, that this case has made women feel unsafe, but it definitely is a reminder, you know, like um, Irish women and women around the world are brought up with that belief of kind of, you know, be mindful of what you're dressing. And, you know, there's um, an Irish um, singer, Seamat, and one of her lines, one of her best songs is comparing herself to Wolverine when she's walking home on a night out because her keys are grasped between her knuckles. And that's always a vision that like I think of whenever I'm walking home because that's what I do too. And And I suppose, Sarah, it's that you shouldn't have to feel that way or think that way or behave that way. But the unfortunate reality, perhaps, is that no matter what you do or you, no matter what you feel you should be able to do, there are bad people out there that you have to fear. Oh, absolutely. And as Women's Aid responded to the verdict yesterday and they kind of said that this is a brilliant Um, This is a brilliant outcome, but it doesn't take away from the loss that is being felt. And it doesn't take away from the fact that 262 other women since 1996 have had their lives taken because of femicide. And I think it needs to be labelled as femicide because most of it, um, although in this case it wasn't, it it is someone known to them. Uh, Like it's not always just going to be someone on the street who is badly behaved as you say um like it's 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 kind of everyone really you can't help but feel a little bit more vulnerable as a young woman in particular kind of navigating that um and it is really scary and you just kind of have to hope that it won't happen to you because there's nothing else you re- can really do there was nothing to, that Ashling Murphy did there's nothing that anyone does to be to deserve a death like that but there is nothing Ashling Murphy did she was on a run like it it is the most Senseless taking of life imaginable. This poor woman, poor young woman with her life ahead of her, out for a run and then this 
sick individual. I mean, this evil man, as he was described by Justice Tony Hunt, this predator decides to come across her. Antmas McDermott. But again, obviously, not all men are like that. Very few men are like that. But yet, women have reason to be fearful and worried and concerned about men that they might come across on a riverbank when they're for a run or they're walking in the street or whatever. Certainly, and as Sarah touched upon, often women have to worry about the men that they live with um, and the men that they know, which is um, hugely traumatic and, and very sad also. But I suppose in relation to this case, the fact that it just was so random and this lunatic woke up in the morning with one objective that seemed to be to attack and, in this case, murder a, a young woman is absolutely shocking. And to see a life of such potential and a life of such grace to be taken away um so soon and from her family I think is absolutely devastating and her brother Cahill described Pushka as a, a, predator, a predator and a mo- monster and I think that's quite accurate I would give a lot of credit to Angarda Shiokana as well and the Director of Public Prosecutions for a very uh, very well put together case I know that the evidence was overwhelming but there seems to be quality investigation and, and prosecutorial work that um, we would have to commend because at times sometimes where the, the evidence is overwhelming there can be a mistake made and uh, a suspect gets off and gets away with it as we would have seen for example in the US this week with the uh, Molly and Tom Martin's case that coming back to court having been having those convictions quashed you can see how things can go wrong and so I would give an awful lot of credit um, for the quality investigation of the Angarda Shiakana and also then the DPP. A listener says what Ashley Murphy's death has done is brought the fear that women experience regularly into the minds of men. Women have experienced this fear for a long, long time. It is nothing new. There is also somebody saying, well, commend the Gardaí. They did arrest the wrong person first. Remember, there was an enormous amount of publicity after the initial arrest that was made. And then that individual was released. And then Pushka was subsequently arrested. Um, yeah, there's, there's lots of comments coming in to 0874100102, which we will uh, go through and uh, bring to you. So, and again, I think we just need to say that I mean, for the poor family, Ashley Murphy, his family and to go through the trial for him to have actually pleaded not guilty in the face of such overwhelming evidence and his own knowledge that he had done it and yet taken the chance and hope that he might be able to get off and escape the consequences of his actions. Well that's the another staggering thing that you would have thought that when obviously he knew what he had done and that the evidence was so overwhelming that he would have had some something in his heart or within his soul or, or some sort of sense within him to do the right thing and not to um, plead not guilty. It makes it all the more staggering, but also incredibly sad and traumatic for the family to have to go through what they went through over the last couple of weeks. There is a listener who says, and I think this is a reasonably good point as well, it's not just young women who have reason at times to fear, particularly when it's dark at this time of year after five o'clock. There are young men who also have to be worried to be men also get randomly assaulted by other men. I remember I was working in um, at the time of this kind of this 
monstrosity being committed, I was working in like a fast food chain and um, it was in Artane and there were people who were going back to kind of the Santry Valley Mun area. And, you know, we were just kind of talking among them ourselves and we were kind of saying like, oh, it's absolutely dreadful. And like one actually very brave 24 year old man was kind of like, oh, well, like I'm shook by it too. I'm rattled too. Do you think I want to walk through Ballymun either? Like, and I was kind of like, that's actually a really fair point. It's something that I wouldn't take either like like that I something that I wouldn't have thought of either like an act of violence is an act of violence and I know I said earlier young women it's not just young women it is everyone um and yeah like it is it is really scary like I'm going out tonight and I it would be a lie to say that you know like when I'm getting off my bus on Eden Key like I'm not going to be a little bit worried about walking to meet my friend because you kind of have to be in order to kind of keep your wits about you or whatever Listener here says, my wife was going for a walk yesterday evening around our local pitch, fully floodlit, but after seeing the six o'clock news, she was shaking and said she didn't want to go, that she was afraid. I felt so angry that she had to feel that way, says listener. And it's another one, I'm almost reluctant to bring this one up, but I am going to bring it up because I think this is very unfair. Are you going to discuss how the two most heinous crimes in recent times have been committed by foreigners who we gave sanctuary to? Our open borders need addressing. And Owen Tomas, I think that is obvious Obviously, this was a Slovakian individual, Joseph Pushka. Uh, we've had the other incident as well with the terrible murders that took place in Sligo. But there have been many Irish people who have killed other people. This idea that Ireland was a safe place and that nobody had anything to worry about before foreign people came to live in the country is such a nonsense. A total nonsense. And I'm sure people listening to this can think to specific cases and specific murders of women and say, well, actually, it was their spouse that committed that crime or it was their boyfriend who committed that crime. And so I think the, the, the nationality of the person, uh, for me is, is not a relevant point here. It is their actions and whether they were from a particular country or from a particular town in Ireland, um, the, the behavior that they had or the, the, and the actions that they did, I think is what we should be focusing like, on. And I wouldn't be thinking about their nationality. Like definitely like the anger over Jennifer Poole's death a couple of years ago. Like if you've ever heard Jason Poole's, her brother speak about that, he never brings up the fact that, oh, at least it was an Irish man who did it. At least I can take comfort in that. I just think that that argument is totally ludicrous. And I don't think that, that this is the only example of Ireland's, I don't even know if I can say hospitality of um foreign nationals, just the blame for Irish problems being put on them. Like, even if you look at housing, if you kind of say like the housing crisis is a problem and things need to be done about it and young people can't afford to buy homes and people who have worked for 20 years can't afford to buy homes and that's a really bad thing, you will be greeted. I have been greeted with a barricade of comments basically saying, oh, well, how can you be pro asylum seekers if you're worried about the housing crisis? Because they are two separate issues and I just think it is totally unfair to characterize these, like to characterize this vulnerable cohort of people as monsters. The fact that Joseph Pushka is from Slovakia does not make him a monster. The fact that he murdered Ashling Murphy in the eyes of the court is what made him a monster and is what warranted those comments. And I just think it's totally unfair. Okay, and indeed, one listener puts it as well. Do you remember the poor woman, uh, the woman from, uh, where was it? It was from the the IFSC. uh, There are many Irish people who are killing 
foreigners in this country as there are uh, Irish. Uh, anyway, sorry, it is upsetting, I think, to think that we have this idea that we could be blaming foreigners for things that we do ourselves, that is part of our lifestyle here in Ireland as well. Totally, and using it as a reason why we may not be as welcoming to people from outside the country, I think, is ridiculous. Okay, and there are people saying as well, I think it is worth saying as well, that fortunately, you know, we're talking about crimes committed by strangers. They are thankfully rather rare. And I think, as you've emphasised, Sarah, it can often be people who are known to women who provide the greatest danger. Absolutely. And I don't, I don't really know which of the two is scarier because they're both terrifying. And I actually, I probably don't know because I don't care to think about it that much. But I think the underlying message is that violence against women is an issue and we can kind of try and distract ourselves with other things and people can, you know, I don't, I don't even know how to put it, but it is an issue and we were reminded of that this week and I think ultimately that it's, it's no harm to be reminded of it even in circumstances as tragic as this. I just remember that woman killed in the IFC, I think it was from Mongolia, who would come over here. And also there are people giving other examples of people who had come to this country on holidays, such as Emanuela Riello down in Galway, who was killed by an Irishman as well. There are plenty of examples. Anyway, look, what we'll do is we'll take a break and we'll come back with the rest of the week trending after this. Sarah McGuinness and on Tomas McDermott with us for the week trending. Let's go to something that's happening in Britain at present. Suella Braverman is the Home Secretary, which is one of the most powerful positions in the British government. She wrote a piece, but she's been a long-standing controversial figure, but she's wrote a piece for the Times newspaper this week, which ratcheted up things considerably. What did she say in it, Sarah? So, as you said, Matt, in an article for The Times, she described the recent protests in central London um, in favour of Palestine as an assertion of primacy by certain groups, um, particularly Islamists, of the kind we are more used to seeing in Northern Ireland. That caused a stir. And then someone within her um, department basically clarified that she was talking about dissident Republicans, <laughs> not the likes of the Orange Order, who, who do about 95% of all the marching who do, in the north. Uh, who do 95%. And I don't think, I, we can't say that dissident Republicans in Northern Ireland have never held a march. But it really was just, so many things about this are bizarre. And least, the, the bottom of the list is the fact that Suella Braverman has said this. That's not really surprising, but the kind of like, I don't know, the kind of like outrage that has come across and then the government scrambling to try and rectify it. Because she's also been effectively interfering with the policing done by the Metropolitan Police in London. She has tried to make its decisions as to what it would allow this weekend. Effectively she wanted them to ban a pro-Palestinian march. On Armistice Day, which is to commemorate World War One, it's tomorrow. And basically she's saying like, I don't know why this is being allowed to go ahead. And the police are saying, well, we don't really have any other grounds to say that it can't go ahead. But the whole thing is just insane. And the most bizarre thing to me is that this isn't a flippant remark said in an off-the-cuff interview. This was in the Times. It was passed under by num- the nose of numerous people who should know better. But it was one of only many comments she has made in that and in recent times, such as claiming that people are homelessness for doing it out of choice. Yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a particularly... Um, 
cruel period in British politics and it's an incredibly um, cruel and callous period under uh, Suella Breverman as Home Secretary. We have the example that we're talking about here but more recently the homeless um, situation. We also then had uh, the refugees and then the boats and then the trips to Rwanda. All of these things under she, her She leadership. appears incredibly anti-immigrant which is extraordinary, extraordinary when you consider her own parents were refugees from Uganda and from the Amin regime in the mid 1970s, and her rhetoric kind of fuels um, fuels racism. So it's a, it's a very uh, really interesting um, situation we find ourselves in. Another bizarre um, outcome of the article she wrote, though, was that she had managed to achieve something that many British politicians had failed, which was consensus between Sinn Fein and the Orange <laughs> Order, because they were all saying, "Hang on a second, can you can you please walk us through what you meant by this?" Because Mary Lou Macdonald came out and said she just hasn't got a rashers. What's going on? Matt Carty said much the same. And the Orange Order said, are you talking about us, by the way? Because Peter Hayne, the former um, Northern Ireland Secretary, Secretary thought he, she was actually talking about the Orange Order. But again, it is this example of the, the an element of cruelty in relation to her view on the murdering of uh, almost 4,000, if not more than 4,000 children in Gaza and the protests around that. And then also a general stupidity that we have seen within this government. Like some of the the, the testimony from the COVID inquiry is staggering but again it is just again evidence of stupidity whether it is uh, and cruelty the Boris Johnson view but, but on letting it, older people die you know there's let all the bodies examples. pile up is what he had denied saying and now everyone's testifying yeah actually that's, that's what, what he had said. to say but who does this actually appeal to because okay the Tories won the last general election Boris Johnson won them a landslide win which would suggest that people liked him and his approach but Breverman appears to be looking to take over as the next leader of the Tory party and she looks like she's very popular amongst this membership but is its membership really representative of what the British people are like and what they want? No, it's thought not to be although there's probably a couple of things there's partly a logic for Rishi Sunak to have her because it allows him to have a bit of a of a um, Rottweiler beside him who attacks the culture war stuff so there's a value in having it there she may be lining up a shot if the polls are to be followed that the Conservatives will be beaten by Labour. She'll line up a shot then to be leader and as you're saying, she's scratching a niche that some of the uh, Tory membership might want so that may get her actually into power. Also, their electoral system being first past the post gives a little bit of wriggle room as well um, for extremism, whereas in Ireland with the um, um, uh, PRSTV, we don't have quite the same um, extremism along there. So there could be a logic around it. But it, it is this idea that cruelty cynicism, negativity, um, just general meanness is at the heart. And some would say it was always at the heart of British governments, but it's certainly at the heart of this one. But if you look even like Matt, Rory Stewart, who ran against um, hmm. Boris Johnson back in 2019, was on The Rest of Politics um, recently and he did a really good interview and he was basically saying when he ran against Boris Johnson, he primarily ran because he was like someone who is a little bit less of a lunatic needs to run against this man and he ran thinking, surely they won't vote someone in as absolutely erratic as this over me. And they did. And look where it's gone since. It's absolutely insane. But even in an Irish perspective, like when there is no government in Northern Ireland, there is no sign of one convening. If I was a person in government of a former coloniser, I would be keeping stum. I would not be going near Northern Ireland. I would certainly not be putting anything about that in print. I really don't know how it got past numerous of her advisors. Well, also, King Charles's speech to the House of 
comments this week failed to make any reference to Northern Ireland. You sort of wonder when unionists will start realising that they've been marginalised. Yeah, maybe that British they should actually let's opinion. all work together and figure this out because being able to rule it by themselves or for themselves in uh, in the North might uh, be a more positive okay, experience for let's them. have something maybe a little bit different on a Friday afternoon. Has Kat Dealey got a better TV job now than her husband? Possibly. I was so in you saying to Tomas, I didn't realise Kat Dealey was the wife of Patrick Keelty until this happened. There's a generation gap for you know, isn't it? <laughs> well, I tell you, Rylan Clark and Craig Doyle might be watching their back that Patrick Keelty might be joining Kat on that. Sort of a couch. Richard and Judy type That's situation. We have Richard and Judy, uh, we had Eamon and Ruth, they also um, the married couple, and I wonder... So could Patrick Keelty use a year on the Late Late Show to sharpen and hone his skills a little bit before going and joining the wife on this morning. I wouldn't be surprised, Matt. I'm sure he has it written into his contract that there's a way of getting <laughs> out of it, if needs be. And then perhaps, if the late late continues in the uninspiring way that it has started, uh, we might think Are that you uninspired they, by it? I find it not particularly good. It's a bit predictable. And there's a couple of probably issues with it where uh, there is the structure of it is too predictable and then also unfortunately a lot of the time Patrick is more famous than many of his guests I think also what's interesting <laughs> is there is a slight uh, when you watch it when the Late Late Show was bad under, under Ryan Tuberty's stewardship social media was very active what I find interesting now is there's very little social media activity in relation to the Late Late which I'm wondering are, are many people watching it because you can see that the 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 ratings haven't been great. Um, the there has been staff changes there. For so example. they put a very good person into a product that just couldn't be saved because everything is changing. It's not anything bad about him. He's actually very good at doing something, but he doesn't have the guests. He doesn't have the. They format. put a very good stand-up comic in there uh, to do that show. So you know, you'll see how it works out. Have you watched this, Sarah? Because you're probably of an age where I would hope you're out every Friday night. I sometimes I'm not, Matt. Sometimes even party animals like me need a break. But um, <laughs> there's um, no, I won't lie. I watched the opening link of his show in the pub one Friday. It did feel like a very like the opening link of the first show. I did watch. From from the pub and it did feel like a really special time and I thought he absolutely nailed it I thought he did a great job but then the next week I didn't care and I haven't really cared since even the country special seems to have been a total flop have there been ratings out for that? Yeah well no the honeymoon period is kind of over so they'll be hoping for a bump off the toy show to see does that give it a, a boost That's, in, in yeah. some of the ratings and the hope would be he's you know and he is very well liked and likeable but when I look at Cat Dealey getting this gig I say I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised uh, you heard it here first Matt that Patrick <laughs> <laughs> might uh, go and join her next year. Given that you've mentioned the toy show, we should mention the gadget show, which is our sort of <laughs> adult version of a toy show, shall we say, is on, on Wednesday the 22nd here on The Last Word. So that's Wednesday week where we'll have all of the sort of the Christmas gadgets, uh, all the tech that we love looking at across all the things that you might have in your home. Uh, that's our annual special coming up on the 22nd, which is a Wednesday evening. On Tomas McDermott from the Communications Clinic, Sarah McGinnis from the Business Post. Thank you both very much for being with us. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.